Welcome to the Fair Talks podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, Executive Director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. Did you know that less than 20% of clothes donated to charity actually gets resold? The average American sends 70 pounds of clothes to landfill every year. That's 21 billion pounds of post-consumer textile waste per year. On this podcast, we're committed to shining a light on global issues around the world. Today, we're shining a light on the dark side of the clothing industry. The majority of people who make our clothes live in poverty and are subject to exploitation, working in unsafe and dirty conditions with very little pay. And 80% of garment workers are women. We're having a conversation on fashion today in honor of the Fashion Revolution Week coming up at the end of April. Fashion Revolution Week is an annual campaign bringing together the world's largest fashion activism movement for seven days of action. Fashion Revolution Week 2023, which is April 22nd to the 29th, marks 10 years since the Rana Plaza tragedy. According to International Labor Organization, on April 24th of 2013, the collapse of the Rana Plaza buildings in Bangladesh, which housed five garment factories, killed at least 1,132 people and injured more than 2,500. This awoke the world to the poor labor conditions faced by workers in the garment sector in Bangladesh and around the world. If you want to learn more, make sure to watch the True Cost documentary. Now, to help us break it all down today, we have with us Nicole Robertson, the founder of Swap Society, the host of the Swap Society podcast, and a sustainable fashion advocate. She is also an accomplished musician and retired dancer who lives in Los Angeles with her husband and their two sons. Nicole founded Swap Society in 2017, an online clothing swap for women and kids that makes it easy and affordable for members to mix up their wardrobe sustainably. You can send them the clothes that you don't fit or aren't your current style and swap them for clothes you want to wear now. Their swap coin currency gives multi-dimensional value to garments and make sure you get equal value for the clothes you swap, making your swap super fair. Plus, you'll save lots of money on clothes while lowering your clothing footprint. They accept all brands and sizes because they believe that all wearable clothing should be kept in circulation for as long as possible. Swap Society harnesses technology to promote circularity in the fashion industry. Nicole is giving our listeners an exclusive discount to join the Swap Society and start your own sustainable fashion journey. So stick around until the end to get your discount code. Now let's dive in. Well, hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. 
Thank and you we're so gonna, much for having me. <laughs> and I'm excited to share this conversation in honor of Fashion Revolution Week. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to dive right in. I'm really curious about this. How did you go from being a musician and a dancer to being a sustainable fashion advocate today? Like, was there a light bulb moment that went off? There was. Well, so I was a professional dancer and I still do some singing, although, you know, not very much these days. And I, I love to perform and I love the arts. But when I was younger and actually in my first year of college, I was studying vocal music and dance and theater and all of that. And one of my required classes was a stage makeup class. Mm. And the teacher of that class was an actor and a director and a makeup artist. And he said, you know, if you're a makeup artist, you'll never have to wait tables. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. I love that. It's so much more fun and creative. Mm. And I promptly pursued a career as a makeup artist while I was doing all of my performing. And mm. so back in the day when I was in a dance company, you know, I would do rehearsals and performances, but I was also working as a makeup artist for some print uh, and fashion shows and things like that, yeah. but also for make for beauty brands, for cosmetic mm. brands. And that took me over time to work more and more in the cosmetics industry. Mm. And it was really fun for a while. I did some really cool things, but I was always searching for deeper meaning in my work. And I'm, I've, you know, considered myself to be an environmentalist for a long time. And I randomly had the opportunity to go and work for a bioplastics manufacturer. And wow. I was VP of marketing and communications for an international bioplastics manufacturer. And I did that for a few years. Wow. I did some really cool initiatives. And people thought I was crazy because I was in the beauty industry for so long. It was like, yeah. are you okay? What are you doing? <laughs> but I think that, and I think that as, as a performer and as a makeup artist, you know, all of those things are very fashion adjacent, right? So I mm -hmm. always really loved fashion and clothes as a form of expression. And then when I started working in the bioplastics arena, I was really doing a deeper dive into my personal consumption mm -hmm. and how I was living on this earth. And there really was an aha moment. You know, one of the things I did for the company I was at was we started a blog. It was basically a sustainability blog about uh, everything and anything related to sustainability was fair wow. game, you know, so when I was working with my team, they would come up with different ideas. And I actually had someone who wanted to do something about the fashion industry. And I was like, awesome, great, wow. you know, go for it. And yeah. this woman wrote an article about the fashion industry. And I was like the editor of the blog, you know, so uh -huh. I was editing the pieces. And, and I remember there was this light bulb moment because the first thing I learned about was how polluting fashion was. And to be mm -hmm. quite honest, I, I really hadn't considered that before. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there were a lot of areas in my life where I was being very environmentally conscious, mm -hmm. but my wardrobe wasn't really one of them. Even though I thrifted and I loved to thrift, I also bought stuff at normal stores. Mm -hmm. And I bought a lot of clothes because for me, I love fashion as a form of personal expression. Right. I like variety. I, I was mixing up my wardrobe a lot. Yeah. And so I had this moment where I was like, wait a second. Oh my God, fashion is so bad for the environment. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do? I didn't really like 
going to those resale shops, I won't name them because they're great. Mm -hmm. And I do shop with them to a certain extent. But when you show up with your bag of clothes and they hardly take anything and mm -hmm. you feel really out of style, gross, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, oh, no, we're not taking that. No, no, yeah. no. We'll, we'll take this one thing and we'll give you $2 for it, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and back then, this was quite a while ago before there were so many platforms online for secondhand, you know, I didn't have time to try to sell my clothes on eBay. That was mm -hmm. my other option at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I actually Googled clothing swap Los Angeles wow. and and I found a little clothing swap club on the west uh -huh. side near where I lived, really close to where I lived, which made it even more exciting. Yeah. And I did that for years. And it really helped me change my relationship with my wardrobe. I pretty much just swapped. It didn't happen, you know, all at once. I mean, yeah. I will say that it was a, a little bit gradual at first, but then I started realizing, wait a second, this is so much fun. I can get rid of the things that are in my closet without throwing them at the donation bin, which for anyone listening, you may not be aware, less than 20% of thrift shop donations get resold. But I was one of those people thinking, well, when I'm mm -hmm. done with it, I'll dump it at the thrift store and yeah. someone else can have it, not really realizing that most of that was winding up in the trash. So that's one of the things that I love about swapping is that it gives you a way to deal with the stuff that you want to get rid of in addition yeah. to how you want to acquire new things. It's much more circular, you yeah. know, think about the circle of fashion yeah. so that was I mean that was a little long-winded but that was the gist of it <laughs> wow well first of all can I just say you're so multi-talented like just from hearing your story your background wow I'm so impressed and also <laughs> just hearing your story it makes me it's a reminder that things that we experience in the past really do lead us to a greater purpose and, uh, and just greater things. So don't underestimate, you know, the small beginnings because it leads to, it can lead to a much greater thing. Absolutely. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. And, and I want to say also, and, you know, because you were kind of curious about being a singer and a dancer and, and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, becoming a sustainable fashion advocate, I find that a lot of performers are members in Swap Society, which I think is oh, really wow. interesting. Yeah. But I think that, Maybe. And when I have those people, you know, when I talk with some of those people, I'm always kind of curious about it, too. And, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe there's kind of this innate connection to yeah. clothes yeah. and kind of performing and then also yeah. maybe just being as more sensitive person mm -hmm. and and maybe being more of an empath on average if yeah. you're that type of artist. I don't know. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that connection. There really is something there. It's true. <laughs> so we wanted to have this conversation and share it in April in honor of Fashion Revolution. Fashion Revolution Week is at the end of April, April 22nd to the 29th. And this year marks 10 years since the eight-story commercial building Rana Plaza collapsed, which killed over a thousand factory workers, mostly women who are making garments for fast fashion companies in the U.S. Now, in case our listeners don't know, can you tell us what fast fashion is and why is it so bad and so disruptive? Sure. 
So fast fashion is a fashion model that is really based on producing garments very quickly, bringing them to market very quickly. You know, often they're knockoffs or, you know, very heavily inspired by Mm. runway trends, except that the method of design, you know, and fashion production to manufacturing to store is just the speed, the pace has just been it's just exponentially grown over the years. But if you're thinking, well, what is fast fashion, right? It's usually very cheaply made clothes. And the reason that this matters is that, you know, there are millions of people, mostly women and children working in modern slavery today. And many of those people, many of those millions of people are working to make the clothes that we wear. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of us were just looking for the deal, right? Or, Or what we can afford, which is completely reasonable. But these brands are pumping out clothes faster and faster and faster than ever. And so, you know, There used to be a couple seasons a year, four seasons a year for fashion. And Mm -hmm. now we're looking at, you know, 52 micro seasons. And so I think that if you see something that's really, really cheap, just know that there's a cost somewhere associated with that. Mm -hmm. You know, why is a t-shirt less than your morning latte that you get at your Mm -hmm. local coffee shop? It doesn't makes sense and the reason it costs that way is because people have been exploited the other piece that i kind of mentioned a little bit earlier is that the fashion industry is extremely polluting it's one of the top polluters in terms of greenhouse gas emissions Mm -hmm. it's one of the biggest water polluters one of the biggest polluters of fresh water which if anyone's been following the recent un report you know Fresh water is a scarcity at this point, and there are so many people in the world that don't have access to even clean drinking water. And it takes a lot of water to grow cotton, to make a shirt, for example, a t-shirt or a pair of jeans takes so many gallons of water. I think a t-shirt, it's over 700 gallons, and a pair of jeans is, you know, close to 2000 gallons, I think it's like 1800 gallons to make one Mm -hmm. pair of brand new jeans. Mm -hmm. And that's just from the agriculture side of it, that doesn't even account for all of the pollution that happens from the dyeing process, or the different finishes, acid wash is the worst, don't buy Mm -hmm. acid wash denim unless it's used, you know, secondhand. Mm -hmm. So the industry, because they want to be so profitable and make so Mm -hmm. much money and make their CEOs and their boards and their shareholders Mm -hmm. wealthy at the expense of their workers and the local environments that they're working in, it's just, it's, it's not good. It's really not good. And so I would say any of those brands that you see that <laughs> people are doing the the hauls and the yeah. all of that sort of thing, it's really unsustainable and, and yeah. unethical to, you know, to be a part of that. Yeah. It's amazing how many things we get rid of to thrift stores that still have tags on it. Like people buy it because it's so cheap. They don't think about it and then they don't even wear it because maybe the trend is over after a month. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this, I don't know if anyone's been following what's going on in places, the Atacama Desert or in Accra, but, you know, a lot of clothes that they find in these places where our off-casts are dumped, you know, Mm -hmm. Western clothes that were not 
so much of it has tags on it. It's Ugh. unbelievable. You know, wow. so people are going out to these clothing dumping grounds and they're taking pictures of piece after piece after piece mm. of new with tags clothing. Wow. It's just insane. And part of that is because it's not all the consumer though. It's it's part of it is because sometimes we buy stuff and don't wear it. Part of it is you know, brands are overproducing. Mm. They mm. overproduce as a part of their model. And it's, it's very wasteful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's part of this is fast fashion, you know, phenomenon. It's wild. So like you said, fashion industry has really changed over the years. My mom worked in the fashion industry. She helped manufacture clothing for the European market. And I've seen the fashion world change from, yeah, like you said, two seasons to now four seasons. And now the trends are going so fast, you can't even keep up. So as someone who works in the fashion industry, why do you think as consumers, we love chasing trends? Like, does it affect, and then from your experience, do you see that it affects young consumers more? The social media play a role in all of it? Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a big part of it really is psychological, right? You know, mm -hmm. there's something about novelty. Our brains like novelty. Our mm -hmm. brains like new things. And so marketers know that mm -hmm. and they play upon that. And so one thing I will say is that fashion trends are a marketing scheme. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. and, and I, I don't want to be a total Debbie Downer and, and I want, <laughs> and I want to say that like, I, I love fashion and changing things yeah. up. And I don't think it's bad if you want to, if you see a new trend and you want to follow it, or you want to feel current, or you want to, you know, if you, you know, it's, I feel like in our society, this idea of the person with the dated wardrobe is, mm. it's hard to be that person, right? Mm. Because it's, yeah. it, there's so many comedy skits alone that, yeah. you know, have chastised people. Yeah. Like I'll never forget the SNL mom jeans parody, you know, <sighs> it's like, well, now they're trendy again, but, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I, so I get that. I, I get that mm -hmm. people like to mix it up. I'm the same. I get that people maybe just, you know, don't want to look like they're dressing from the wrong decade. And I get mm -hmm. that. But the way that it's working now, especially in this era of micro trends that every week mm -hmm. you're out of style, so you have to buy the next new style, that mm -hmm. is all just marketing. It's greed yeah. from the brands. They are taking advantage of our desire for novelty and, mm -hmm. and our insecurities, right? Mm -hmm. I think the beauty industry does this a lot as well. Mm -hmm. We, you know, they make us feel insecure and tell us that if we buy mm. this shiny new product, that it's going to make us feel better and we're going to yeah. be better in some way and our life is going to be better. But this is where I really encourage people to kind of try to set a little bit more of a minimalist mindset. It doesn't mm. mean you have to have minimalist style, but mm. really think about what are, what are pieces that you're going to wear time and time again, yeah. try to have a core wardrobe or build a capsule wardrobe that are kind of those basics that you feel like, oh yeah, I can wear that season after season and mm -hmm. I don't have to get a new pair of jeans, you know, every few mm -hmm. weeks or whatever. And then if you really want to have some trends, just layer them in a little bit and try to get them secondhand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Psst, I hate to interrupt but we've got a surprise for you, even a monthly surprise if you want. 
Have you been wanting to add more fair trade into your life, but aren't sure where to start? We have an easy way for you to support local fair trade businesses without ever having to leave your home. Our monthly fair package brings the world right to your door. Each month, you'll receive a surprise fair trade product curated from a dedicated ethical business. From artisanal soaps to shade-grown organic coffee, you'll find new fair trade products to love, all while supporting sustainable jobs from around the world. Keep your surprise for yourself or gift it to a loved one. Did we mention it's super affordable? Subscribe for only $10 a month. Snag yours now at fairtrailaid.org backslash fair package. And sit back, relax, and eagerly wait for your delivery. Now, let's get back to the show. It's wild to think that these are like such simple revelations, but we really have to like express it. We really have to tell people. We really have to dispel it. Because yeah, it's so easy to get wrapped up in that marketing, you know, and like you said, the insecurity is so easy to get wrapped up in it. And it's so important for us to talk about these things to really just break that, I guess, mindset that they have us, they have controlling us. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. And you also asked about social media. And I will say that that has definitely played a role, especially with the hall culture, where it's not Mm -hmm. just, oh, I'm going to get the latest trend at the fast fashion shop at the mall, but or order it online or whatever, but oh, now I'm going to buy so much of it because Mm -hmm. it's so cheap and I'm just going to buy 30 items or whatever it is. Um, And then there is definitely a culture of, oh, it's on my Instagram, so I'm not going to wear it again, Mm -hmm. right? This idea, um, this like anti-outfit repeating concept. So I think that that also needs to be, you know, done with. I'd love to see our society shift away from that. We should absolutely wear things more than once. Clothing is not meant to be disposable. So if you're thinking of it that way, that's, you know, that's not the best mindset to have. Yeah. I love seeing celebrities now re-wearing their gowns to different award shows. I'm like, yes, this is, (laughs) this is so awesome that they're rising up to do that. So the fashion apparel and textile industry is the fourth largest industry in the world, and it is valued at over $3 trillion. It seems like such a huge machine, and we're talking about these huge issues that seem nearly impossible to tackle, right, and create change in the big picture. Um, And yes, there are the big apparel companies with their marketing schemes and so on, but I remember... And I remember as a teenager being sucked into all of it. So from your experience, how can we create change at the grassroots level, like from the consumer level? How can we create change, like maybe change consumer behavior? Sure. I think first and foremost, having these types of conversations Mm -hmm. is, is a great start, right? Just talking about these issues, because I think a lot of people still just don't realize what's going on. And I think that if you were to say to the average person who's shopping from these brands, you know, do you support slavery or the enslavement of other women? I think that almost everybody would say absolutely not. I don't think that people are making the connection between what they're purchasing and you know who's making it people really aren't thinking about that and you mentioned mm-hmm. fashion revolution and you know their first big hashtag was hashtag who made my clothes mm-hmm. and i think that that's such a great prompt right mm-hmm. for and a call to action for consumers to say 
yeah, ask brands who made my clothes, who's behind mm -hmm. that, who's the person or the many people. I think it's like a hundred pairs of hands touch the average garment mm -hmm. before it gets wow. to the consumer. Yeah. So I think that just learning about what's going yeah. on and then starting to make better choices. Yeah. Maybe you don't totally stop buying brand new clothes, but you buy fewer brand new things. Yeah. Even if lots of people just slowed down their consumption a little bit, it could yeah. have a big impact. Kind of the same where, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about the importance of eating less animal products, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be a full-fledged vegan to make an impact. You could just eat fewer animal products mm -hmm. and that has a really positive benefit. So it's the same thing with clothing. Yeah. I will say, I stopped buying brand new clothes in 2010. I buy brand new underwear and socks, you know, but, uh -huh. <laughs> but I've hardly bought anything brand new mm -hmm. in over a decade. And honestly, it hasn't negatively impacted my life in any way. If anything, mm -hmm. it's made me more adventurous with my wardrobe. I try more things because I'm mm -hmm. buying secondhand or I'm swapping and it's, you know, and I feel good knowing that I'm not participating in, in this, you know, yeah. terrible industry. Yeah. I remember when I first learned about fast fashion, I realized what if, like you said, people are buying so many items because they're cheap. But what if we, instead of buying all these cheap items that don't last, what if we save up and invest in quality products that will actually last? And that was a game changer for me because now I have things in my closet that are actually quality and mm -hmm. will last for a long time. But now I want to talk about how you rised up in this process to help bring positive change and to create the sustainable fashion industry. I love that you're based in LA. So over the years, we've done, you know, different events together and have crossed paths. And I remember you sharing about how you and your husband sold everything to pour into this idea <laughs> of clothes swapping and how you started the Swap Society. So first of all, can you tell our listeners what clothing swap is? We kind of talked about it, but tell us a little bit more and then why and how did you start Swap Society? Sure. So a clothing swap, I think clothing swaps have been around for, I don't know, maybe forever, right? To mm -hmm. a certain extent, this mm -hmm. idea that instead of, you know, this take, make, dispose, like linear approach, you take the things that you're done with forever, for whatever reason, and you swap them with people in your community, right? Whether it's your girlfriends or mm -hmm. your family or your neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, what most people do is they occasionally have a swap party mm -hmm. and they invite some of their friends over and, you know, they, they, they set up what the parameters are and, and mm -hmm. people get together and they exchange their clothes together and people walk mm -hmm. away with that feeling of yeah. that novelty and that fresh wardrobe and something yeah. fun and different, but it it's, doesn't cost any money, right? If you're just getting together yeah. with some friends and sharing. Yeah. Then there's, you know, then there's kind of this next level. I had mentioned I was a part of that clothing swap club. That was a little more formal. We all paid a membership fee and, mm -hmm. you know, it was a brick and mortar and, and it was mm -hmm. me swapping with people in that were also, you know, with the other members, I didn't know most of them, but we were all kind of as a community coming together mm -hmm. to kind of swap our clothes together in that mm -hmm. way. And then, you know, 
when that little club closed, I was so bummed out. I have mm -hmm. to say the woman that was running it, she didn't want to do it anymore. And I thought, oh no, swapping is my favorite way to mix yeah. up my wardrobe. I yeah. had really become hooked. And I thought, oh, what a bummer. I can't believe it. And then <laughs> it just started percolating. It was like, well, wait a second. What if I did a swap? <laughs> what if it was online and it could reach yeah. more people and not just be isolated to my little neighborhood on the West side. Mm. Um, and so that's when I started kind of brainstorming and, you know, sharing my ideas with my husband, who is more of a tech person than I am. Mm. And so, you know, one of the things that was really important to us in creating Swap Society and this online swap was how do we make it fair? You know, mm. if you go to a swap party or a swap event, it's usually one to one, right? So bring five things, take five things. People mm. use little tickets or little tokens or what have you, to, or if it's just close friends, everybody's maybe a little more free flowing, but, mm. you know, but that doesn't always feel fair to people, especially mm. maybe you bring in something fancy designer that you yeah. spent a lot of money on yeah. and you leave with something that's not as fancy in terms of designer or price that you love, but does it feel fair to you? Mm -hmm. And and so that was the thing that I really wanted to get right. I really mm -hmm. wanted to make it super fair. I didn't want it to just be one-to-one. -one. And mm -hmm. so we created Swapcoin, which is basically, you know, a way that we give multidimensional value to the clothes that people swap with us. So you really do get equal value out for what you put in, but there's wow. no restriction. It's not like, oh, you have to send a dress and then take another dress of equal value. It's like you accumulate your swap coin and then you can spend it however you want. And so, yeah, so that's that's what we've been doing and working on. And it's it's definitely a labor of love. Yeah. <laughs> I love the strategy you created though. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you can always buy secondhand, but there are, there are big markups with secondhand. So sometimes mm -hmm. even shopping for secondhand can feel expensive for a lot of people. And so we really wanted to make it as financially accessible as possible, you know, to make sure that it was something that was affordable, easy to use, that just felt like kind of shopping online. But where you know the the value of the garment for us is really in the swap coin and so that's kind of the currency amongst the members and then we charge a small membership fee and then there's a per item fee on every item that's ordered it's 5.99 i mean you're not going to really mm -hmm. find anything for 5.99 out there right yeah. but we have to you know keep the lights on and stuff and so we're trying to keep it as affordable as possible in a way that you know where we can also keep running it yeah <laughs> That's so such a cool society that you've created. Um, may I ask, like, how many people are participating in this? Sure. That's really exciting that it's like it's not just contained in the West Side. It's it's online. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we have about two thousand members. Wow. Um, not all of them are active at any given moment, and so you know we have some people that like to swap every month, and they're super mm -hmm. active. And then we have people that like to swap once a quarter, you mm -hmm. know, for a seasonal wardrobe change. You know, everybody kind of has their own cadence in terms of you know 
how active they are in terms of swapping. We have some families that swap. So, mm. you know, we have some women that have teenage daughters and, you know, they swap with their daughters. So sometimes the mom will send in their stuff and then the daughters will order their stuff mm. or you'll see kind of a mix of sizes and styles. Oh, we have women and kids and jewelry. So. Mm. So what if someone is listening and they want to, maybe they have clothing, you know, that they were about to drop off at a thrift store and now they want to participate. What do they do next? Yeah. So our website, swapsociety.co and you join memberships are, you know, about $25 a month. I mean, we have a few different plans, but it's mm -hmm. pretty affordable. We cover the shipping both ways. So that's mm -hmm. where a lot of that kind of membership fee goes toward. When you mm -hmm. sign up, you get a welcome kit, which is basically, you know, a bag with a prepaid mailing label, instructions wow. for what we accept and, you mm -hmm. know, what to send in. Uh, and you just drop it off at your local post office, leave it out for your letter wow. carrier. It gets sent to us. We go through the clothes. We steam everything, photograph it, wow. you know, check it for condition, list it onto our site. You know, we warehouse everything. We ship everything out. So it's not like when you're selling your clothes on Poshmark or eBay or Depop or any of those sites where, you know, you have to do all the work and you, you know, mm -hmm. we just take the clothes and we kind of handle it. And then wow. we also ship out orders to everyone as well. So we're a little more like a threat up in that sense. Nowhere mm -hmm. near that size. You know, we haven't gotten hundreds of millions of dollars of investment <laughs> and we don't have, you know, millions of things added to the site every day. Like we're not mm -hmm. at that scale yet anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we are, you know, we're a growing community of women across yeah. the USA who are changing the way that we interact with our wardrobes. And, yeah. and it's, it's really, really cool. Yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it grow. And I hope that it will grow along with the sustainable fashion industry. That's Thank very you. exciting. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Now, if people want to host a clothing swap party with their friends, can you give some practical tips on how they can do that in their community and help grow this fashion, sustainable fashion movement? Absolutely. I would say that one thing is, you know, kind of know who's coming because mm -hmm. one thing that can be unpleasant for some people is like if somebody comes in, there's no one else with their size clothing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you either need to have it be small enough where you know that mm -hmm. there's going to be the right sizes for everyone or make it bigger than maybe you were even thinking and make mm -hmm. it a little bit bigger than just a, a really tiny group so that you know there's going to be enough for everyone. Yeah. I would say that you want to make sure you, if you don't have clothing racks, but you might be able to borrow some from say a neighbor in the buy nothing group. I see people yeah, doing that yeah. in our group um, a lot. I lend out clothing racks all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you could borrow racks or you could just have tables. So figure like, how are you going to set it up? How are you going to display the clothes? And you need to know in advance, are there going to be rules, right? Mm -hmm. Is it just a free for all because you're all besties and mm -hmm. you're just all trust each other and you're all just going to swap clothes or or are you going to have a limit on how much people can bring mm -hmm. as someone who has hosted a different at a different scale of course because mm -hmm. we when we host a clothing swap event it's usually pretty big mm -hmm. but you know we often limit people to five items because it's really hard for us when we have tons of people coming yeah. to process that many things 
all at once. But if everybody's chipping in and participating, you have a little more leeway. Mm -hmm. But we've had people show up to our events with giant like black lawn garbage bags, like mm -hmm. multiple garbage bags of clothes where it's like, yeah. wow, you had all of, do you have any clothes left in your house? You know, <laughs> That can be really overwhelming. So you just want to mm -hmm. make sure you have a space where you can put all the clothes that you kind of know what the parameters are. Mm -hmm. Make sure everyone who's coming is going to have stuff to choose from mm -hmm. and isn't just kind of donating and not getting anything back. Yeah. If you do shoes and handbags, that's a little more flexible too. You know, sometimes mm. if you have some things that are kind of size, you know, less size dependent, like handbags or scarves or hats or jewelry or accessories, that can some kind, you know, sometimes make up for that. It's fun to have some music, you know, maybe yeah. some refreshments. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, you know, those would be my key tips. Yeah. I would love to see just people do this for Earth Month in April, Fashion Revolution Week. I would love to see people just do this with their friends at the end of this month in honor of Fashion yeah. Revolution. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so you've been a part of this fashion industry for a while. So you've seen the movements of it. And I'd like to know what what would you like to see for the future of the fashion industry? What will a sustainable fashion industry look like? Yeah, I think that first and foremost, uh, we need to produce a lot less new clothing. Mm -hmm. I think we're producing like 150 billion articles of clothing a year for mm -hmm. a planet with 8 billion people. I mean, it's wow. just a, a crazy amount yeah. of clothing production. The reality, though, is that these companies are making so much money. They're not mm -hmm. going to just voluntarily... Right produce less unless people aren't buying it. And so that's yeah. where consumer action and consumer behavior really comes into play. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we have that power to buy less, um, not give our money to those types of companies, support fair trade brands when you do buy something new, mm -hmm. try to buy secondhand, wear the clothes that you have in your closet, mend mm -hmm. your clothes. I'd love to see more people mending their things and caring yeah. for their clothes instead of being quick to toss it because there's a button missing or a seam yeah. tear or things that are really easy to fix you know kind of shifting back like changing our mentality so that it's it's a little bit slower right i think we need to slow fashion yeah. down like that antithesis to fast fashion mm -hmm. we need to move toward circularity and so what does that mean that means we're you know, it's not take, make, dispose, right? Mm -hmm. You know, take from the land and pollute it along the way, mm -hmm. make this garment, you know, sell it, have somebody buy it and then have it get thrown in the trash. It's just, mm -hmm. it's not sustainable. You know, we have, we are on a planet with finite resources. We can't mm -hmm. keep exploiting the planet in this way or the people yeah. living on it. So I think that we really need to also get these companies thinking about what is that end of life. And it can even be something, you know, we also have a podcast, as you know, you were a, a guest yes. on our podcast. One company that we spoke with, you know, they talked a lot about how they're advocating for only having up to two materials blended together mm -hmm. because you know even you know just thinking about what is the fabric it's like the more blended a fiber is the more impossible it becomes to ever mm -hmm. have the hopes of recycling it globally less than one percent of clothing is recycled part of it is 
we don't have the infrastructure to handle it, the sorting, fabric identification, but also, you know, it's really hard to recycle blended fibers. Mm. And so we need to really all come together from every point, wow. regenerative, regenerative agriculture for, wow. you know, when we're growing fibers, using less fossil fuels, so less mm. synthetic fabrics, less polyester, less nylon, and that sort mm. of thing. You know, so from that very beginning of the textile manufacturing, through not overproducing and, you know, consumers, people buying less, taking care of our stuff, and then being really mindful about that end of life and trying to keep things in circulation as long as possible and moving away from just dumping clothes yeah. into the trash because it's decimating communities, mostly in the global South where, you know, they have clothes washing up on their beaches and it's just, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that incredible perspective. Yeah, it really is a global issue right now. And it's a it's a new issue because of the way that the fashion industry has just grown exponentially the past few decades. So it's a global issue that we have to tackle and we have to do our part. Yeah. So yes, if anyone wants to learn more, please <laughs> listen in to the Swap Society podcast. It's such an educational platform there as well. So we like to ask our guests this fun question to bring our conversation to a close. <laughs> what is your favorite fair trade product? I have to say that I really love the Chocolove dark chocolate peppermint um, bar. It's kind of my my indulgence every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, we also like to end every episode with this question. What is a simple action step? You know, after us talking about this global issue, essentially, what is a simple action step you want to encourage our listeners to take after this episode to make this world a better place? You know, I always like to share this stat because it's something that we could easily do. The next time you feel like you want something new, try swapping an item with a friend instead of going to the store and buying something. Swapping a shirt with a friend instead of buying one that's brand new it can save enough water for a person to drink for two and a half years. Wow. So even just one swap can wow. have such a big impact. So just be really mindful the next time you get that itch, like, oh, you're about to click the buy button. You see something cute on Instagram and mm -hmm. you just, you know, you, you just really want it. You're like, oh, I want yeah. it. I want it. I want it. You know, try to swap for it or try to find it secondhand. Try not to just go to the store and buy it and mm -hmm. sit with that and see how that feels. And, yeah. you know, those small changes really do add up. Yeah, that is so good. That is so good. <laughs> I look forward to hearing the feedback from our listeners that they're now swapping because of this episode. So thank you so much so. for sharing your knowledge <laughs> with us, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nicole. It was so educational and got me excited to start swapping. Are you ready to start swapping your clothes? Check out swapsociety.co and start swapping online today. Use your exclusive discount code FAIRTALKS20, that's F-A-I-R-T-A-L-K-2-0 for 20% off any membership. Let's all do our part to create a more sustainable fashion industry. Bye for now.
I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Kaden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fair Trade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org slash podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.